You're listening to Flaunt, Find Your Sparkle and Create a Life You Love After Infidelity or Betrayal. Have you been betrayed by life, your body, or someone that you love? You're not alone. No matter what you've been through, Naked Self-Worth helps you regain confidence, joy, and enthusiasm so you can create a life you love and flourish. Tune in weekly and learn how. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you been struggling lately? Relationship issues impact every area of your life. When I found out about my husband's infidelity, I was so devastated, I could barely function. Sleeping was impossible because I couldn't shut off my brain. Eating was a challenge because I felt nauseous all the time, and for the first month or so, everything felt pointless. Whether you're having trouble sleeping, feeling hopeless, or just can't focus, BetterHelp is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help. You can talk to your therapist in a private, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that might not be available in your area. Just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you'll be matched with a therapist in under 24 hours. Then you can schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. I know that confidentiality was important for me, especially early on when I couldn't even get my own mind wrapped around what was happening. And it was so comforting to be able to speak with someone candidly about everything I was going through, to validate that what I was feeling and experiencing was completely normal. You can request a new therapist at no additional charge anytime. Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Special offer to flaunt, create a life you love after infidelity and betrayal listeners. You get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash flaunt. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash flaunt, F-L-A-U-N-T. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Hello and welcome to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal. I'm Laura Cheadle and today we are going to talk about intimacy. And when I talk about intimacy, I mean all kinds of intimacy. As a matter of fact, there are at least four kinds of intimacy that includes physical intimacy. But when we talk about intimacy, it's not just about getting down and reconnecting with somebody. Intimacy really goes a whole lot deeper than that. And not only are we going to break down the four different kinds of intimacy, but we're also going to talk about intimacy in terms of you and your partner, 
your partner and the people that they cheated with and also intimacy in terms of what you want, anticipate, and deserve going forward. So stick with me today. We are going to cover a lot of ground and you are going to learn a lot. But before we do, if you haven't already, I want you to go to www.affairrecoveryforwomen.com. I want you to check it out. Not only because it might be something that you want to look into at one point if you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling like you could really use a hand, a shoulder to cry on, of somebody who has walked this same journey as you, somebody who has been there and done that and moved through these dark valleys and has come out the other side, I want you to check it out because I think, no, I know it would benefit you. But I also want you to check it out just so you can expand your mind. So you can think about new ways that you may be able to help yourself. New ways of self-care, new ways of receiving joy, new things to think about. So affairrecoveryforwomen.com. Check it out. And now let's get on talking about intimacy. For those of you who might be new to the show, my name is Laura Cheadle and After what I thought was a pretty darn good marriage, I was completely devastated to learn that my husband of 23 years had been cheating on me for 15 of those years with five different women. And here's the thing. I did think that we had a good relationship. I thought that we were very intimate with each other on a lot of different levels. We had a whole lot of fun together. Our sex life was pretty darn great. We had the same values, the same drives, the same goals in life. I really thought that our marriage was a good one. I mean, of course, we fought. Everybody fights. I thought that was normal. Of course, we had disagreements. I thought that was just normal, and I never really thought anything about it. Now, it might shock you to know that five years later, we are still together. And no, I'm not crazy. (laughs) Five years later, we are still together and our marriage is stronger than it was before for a lot of different reasons. But I think the main reason that we are still together And the main reason that I can honestly say we have a better relationship now than ever before is because of intimacy, because of the different levels of intimacy that we have been able to reach because of all of the work that we did both individually and jointly, we have been able to connect and become intimate in more ways than I ever knew 
were possible. And that's what I want to do today is break down the different kinds of intimacy, what it means, and hopefully shine the light on intimacy for you. So you can see what might be possible for you, whether you're trying to work it out with your spouse or whether you are done and you are out of here, but you still want in the future to be a part of a relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship or just a deep friendship. The information that we cover in this show will help. So before we go into the four different kinds of intimacy, what I'd like to do is start out by talking about what is intimacy. One of my favorite definitions of intimacy is done by breaking down the word into me see. Intimacy into me see. And that's what intimacy is. It is allowing yourself to be seen, to have your heart seen, to have your soul seen. Intimacy is allowing another person to see your darkness, your shadow, All of those icky, ugly parts of ourselves that quite often we don't even want to A, admit that we have, or B, show ourselves, let alone C, let anybody else in the world see. And that's what true intimacy is. It is letting another person see you completely, vulnerably, authentically, or as I like to say, see you naked. Now, here's the thing. I love using the analogy of burlesque in my work, and it's especially relevant when we talk about intimacy, and here is why. For those of you who don't know what burlesque is, it comes from the root word meaning mockery or parody. And it's a form of art where the performers make fun of something that is like status quo, something that is in the culture that everybody sees, but nobody wants to admit is there. So, quite often, semi-nudity is used. Quite often, clothing is removed. And it's not that we're removing clothing to get sexy and to turn people on. That's not what burlesque is about at all. In burlesque, clothing is removed to reveal to the audience something that they haven't seen before. Something that maybe is shocking or different than anticipated or funny or surprising. The removing of clothes can also be done to kind of poke fun at the fact that 
all of us, all humans, get naked on a regular basis. But it's something that in our culture is very taboo. Even though all bodies relatively look the same and there's really nothing good, bad, right, wrong, or very different about all bodies, there's still such a taboo around it. And burlesque plays into that taboo by showing the audience, like, look, there's really nothing going on here. There's either something that's surprising and funny or titillating going on, or there's nothing going on. And it's just normal. And just like you, we get naked every single day to take a shower or to change clothing, and it's no big deal. What's fun about burlesque is the different layers, the different masks, the different costumes, clothing in real life and in burlesque either covers a flaw, like a corset. A corset squeezes in the waist and it makes the waist look smaller. Spanks, any kind of foundation garment that squeezes you in and covers your flaws, smooths out your cellulites, or our clothing is something that accentuates. So it either covers and hides or it accentuates, such as a push-up bra. It accentuates something that you've already got such as maybe cold shoulder clothing. It accentuates. Skirts that are shorter accentuate legs. Skirts with a slit accentuate legs. So clothing either covers and hides or it accentuates and it shows off. Isn't that what we do in our life? Isn't that what we do in our relationships? We play up our good points. We tell people all the amazing things about us. We try to make a connection. You do that. I do that too. Oh my gosh, you're a hiker. I'm a hiker. Oh, you love animals. I love animals. We play these things up. Sometimes even a little bit more than is true. For instance, if you are meeting somebody and you really, really like them, and they're telling you that they like to watch professional sports, and you only sort of like to watch professional sports, it's easy to get caught up in wanting to make them like you because you like them and being like, yes, I love watching pro sports. Oh my God, all the time I like to watch pro sports. And then three months down the line when they've invited you to like 60 games and you're thinking, I sort of like pro sports, but this is nothing like I really like, it kind of catches up on you and bites you in the butt. That's that accentuating, that showing off of the good. We also cover up the bad. In new relationships, people hide their tempers. In new relationships, people hide their stress. In new relationships, people put on kind of a happy face. And then when the quote-unquote honeymoon period is over and people start showing up, as their true selves, sometimes it can be a shock to the other person. They're like, I did not know that that's what you were like. That's what intimacy is, is allowing yourself to be stripped of all of the garments and costumes that accentuate you. Allowing you to be stripped of all of the garments and clothing that cover your flaws. 
and allowing yourself to be seen and known and loved as you most authentically are. And here's the kicker. I want you to pay attention. Are you paying attention? I really want you to pay attention to this. So often, that's what we want. I want someone to really see me. I want somebody to understand me. I want someone. And yes, I want to say yes. I want that too. You deserve that too. But here's what I want you to hear. That also means seeing somebody else. Knowing somebody else. Allowing them to be naked too. And loving them for all of their flaws. For all of their good parts. And for everything in between as they most authentically are as well. It's about both of you being naked, metaphorically, maybe literally, holding each other, holding space for your fear and your shame and your pain and your darkness and your shadows and your lights and your goodness and your gifts. And not trying to change or manipulate each other, but being truly intimate and accepting of the other person. And that, my beautiful friends, is what true intimacy is all about. It's about having that intimacy and that trust and that knowing that runs both ways, not just one way. And I'm going to rewind you back to 1995-96-ish. I got married in 94. On our first anniversary, I'm sorry, I got not married... I got married in 1995, and on our first anniversary, somebody gave us the book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Now, up until that point, <laughs> we had had a great relationship. We had dated for a few years, we had gotten married, we had this amazing first year, and we decided to read this book kind of as a preventative measure, as a way that we could enrich ourselves, you know, learn new skills, understand each other deeper, increase our level of intimacy. Now, you would think that's a good thing, right? In our case, it actually turned out not to be such a good thing. And here's why. When we read the book, we each read it from our own point of view. Now you might be saying, Laura, how else would you read a book? <laughs> we live life from our own point of view. We read from our own point of view. We relate from our own point of view. Yes. However, I read that book and I saw all of the things that I wanted my, you know, new husband to see in me. I wanted him to understand 
all of this stuff. I wanted him to just totally get it. And it was so well written. And there were so many things that I couldn't have explained in my own language, but there was right there in black and white. And I was like, oh, I want you to see this. I want you to understand that this is my lived experience. This is what I want, blah, 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 blah. And you know what? He read the book the same way from his experience about all the things that he felt and he wanted for me and blah, 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 blah. And all the things that he wanted me to understand about him. And there it was in black and white in his perspective. And he was just giving it to me what he wanted me to know. And I was just giving it to him about what I wanted him to know. And neither one of us stepped back and would hold space and honor what the other person was saying. And we ended up having a series of fights and disagreements around this book because every time we would come together to talk about it, all we did was talk about our own point of view. All we did was talk about our own experience and all we did was shove in the other person's face what we wanted them to know about us. And we never stepped back and maybe took turns around it. Or challenged ourselves, tasked ourselves to integrate that material that the other person was shoving down our throat. To ask questions about it. To say, wow, this paragraph speaks to you. When I read this, I can see you in it. But I don't understand this. Tell me more about feeling this way. Tell me more about your experience here. Explain to me. Teach me. Give me a window into your soul so we can increase our intimacy. And instead of being a beautiful, enriching, and deep experience, the book ended up causing a lot of strife. Because we each wanted the other person to know us. We each wanted them to give us intimacy. But in that moment, we were so focused on getting the other person to see and know us. That we were not reflecting back. Intimacy to the other person. We were not stepping back and saying, let me see you. Let me hold you. Let me better understand you. So that's why I said I really wanted you to pay attention. Intimacy is a two-way street. And interestingly, in my experience, I think it's harder to truly see and know and love another person in all of their messy humanity than it is to just sit back and be like, yep, here I am. Love me or hate me. Take it or leave it. This is it. It's really hard to expand, to drop into the heart and to allow another person in. So that might be a little bit of a shock to you in thinking about intimacy that it's not just about having another person know you. It's about what can you do to better know 
the other person. And you might be saying, I get it, Laura, but he cheated on me. I get it, Laura, but we are in a really bad situation and they did this to me and they have a problem and there's an addiction here and there's a problem and blah, 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 blah. And what I want to say to you is that's intimacy. That's intimacy. There is a difference between being intimate and staying together and creating a relationship and being intimate and separating and co-parenting or being intimate and then saying, I know you enough that this is something I could never be a part of and separating. Intimacy is that knowing. And there is no better experience, unfortunately, than something like infidelity that will help you get intimate with your partner, to help you really see and know who your partner is, what's going on in their experience. And again, I'm not saying you have to forgive them or stay with them or do anything like that. This show is about intimacy. And what I am doing is challenging you to get better at holding space for intimacy and truly being able to see and know another person in all of their glory, in all of their heinousness without judgment, without fear, but just from a place of humanity. Because when you do, oh, I tell you a deep, deep, magic happens. Deep breath with that one. And let's go in to the four different kinds of intimacy right now. So we have a better understanding of what it really means to be intimate and then why we want to be intimate. Why we might want to be intimate with somebody that we love and choose to be with and why we might want to be intimate with somebody that we don't love and don't choose to continue being with. All right, the first kind of intimacy is emotional intimacy. Emotional intimacy is just that sense of closeness that you feel with somebody. You can empathize with what's going on. You respect them. You have just casual, comfortable communication and you really understand each other and you, you feel for them. You're honest. You're vulnerable. You're living and you're relating with them in a way where you're not constantly protecting yourself or deflecting, but where you're letting yourself being seen. You can be emotionally intimate with coworkers. If you're on a project together and you're both sharing things that you can do, things that you're frustrated with, things that you're good at, things that you're not good at, 
you're sharing about your work together and you're comfortable. You can have a sense of emotional intimacy. It doesn't have to lead to anything. It's just conversation that goes a little bit deeper where you truly are being honest and you can say things maybe as simple as I'm having a really bad day. I've got a relative that's in the hospital. It's really hard. It's really emotional. I'm having a hard time focusing on this project today. And where the other person can say, oh, I hear you. I've experienced similar things before. I'm struggling with, you know, long COVID or something like that. And here's what's going on in my life. And you're open and you're connected and you're honest. Because here's the thing, you can't protect yourself and be emotionally intimate at all. So in a love relationship, you know, I use that emotional intimacy in a very platonic work sense. You can have emotional intimacy, same sex, different sex, you know, old, young, related, unrelated. You can be emotionally intimate with anybody. It has nothing to do with sexuality. It's just that you can't be protecting yourself and covering and be emotionally intimate at the same time. And even in a workplace, we all know those people who are never honest, who never, you know, reach out and say, I'm at a breaking point, I can't do this anymore, or share anything about themselves. They're just always perfect, always perfect. And you know, if you're anything like me, I went through a long period of time in my life where I thought it was my job to project the happiness, the perfectness. It's all good. It's all great. Yay. Motherhood is great. Staying home with two kids, 22 months apart. Everything is great. It's all fine. The house is perfect. Activity. It's all perfect. And then you can't get emotionally intimate with people when you're constantly protecting, protecting yourself from being judged. And that's emotional intimacy. The second kind of intimacy is mental intimacy. And that's that those are those relationships that are stimulating and challenging and satisfying where you can you can banter and there's wit and you're bouncing things off of each other and you're challenging each other's ideas and assumptions but in a really great respectful way. We're not talking like polarized political views here. It's it's where you're talking about movies or books or ideas or concepts and where you're really going deep on how can we fix the world and how can we do this and and it's enjoyable and you're connected and you feel like you're learning and you feel like you're growing and it doesn't necessarily have to be just around ideas it could be learning a game learning bridge or some kind of a other game. It could be about learning a sport that has strategy in it. Mental intimacy is just where you're constantly leading each other deeper and challenging and understanding and building and growing to that next level. It could be almost like a mastermind experience at work where you're tasked with solving a problem. 
It could be just a group of friends. Book clubs provide a lot of mental intimacy for people. And yes, of course, it's important in a romantic relationship as well. But I did want to be really clear and give examples with these four kinds of intimacy to show you that it's not all, it's not all about sex and romance. Intimacy is important to all relationships and any kind of relationship, parent, child, colleague, sisters, brothers, or romance needs to have a certain level of intimacy in order to be real and satisfying and fulfilling because it's that into me see. And then, like I said earlier, and also into somebody else that you see, it goes both ways. The third kind of intimacy is spiritual intimacy. And yes, that can be because you go to the same church or you grew up in the same religion and you understand that. But it can also just be spirituality. It can be a love of nature. It can be through something like yoga. It can be just by having values of maybe family or raising kids at home or saving money or giving to charity or working for Habitat for Humanity or something like that or just ethical behaviors. It's all the ways that we strive to give back, to be better people, to make the world a better place. That's spiritual intimacy. Yes, going to church, singing together, communion, holding hands, that's all a form of spiritual intimacy. I love doing full moon rituals and solstice rituals and equinox rituals. That's all spiritual intimacy. My husband and I spent a week in Peru on a pilgrimage. That's spiritual intimacy. We had those experiences together. We meditate together. We listen to frequency music and meditations and new thought type of ideas together. Also, having, having children together, going through a tragedy together, losing people together. When you're holding each other through those experiences, when you're connected through that, that's also a form of spiritual intimacy. Losing an animal together. Those are all forms of spiritual intimacy. And again, it can take place at work, at church, in the neighborhood, with family, with friends, or with a partner. Now the fourth and last kind of intimacy is physical intimacy. And yes, That's the kind of intimacy that we tend to think about when we think, oh, I'm getting intimate with somebody. We're like, oh, we're putting our bodies together. And that's what physical intimacy is. It's connecting with your bodies. But it's not just sex. It can be sex. It can be romantic touch, but it can also be platonic touch. 
Having physical intimacy with our children is important because children need touch. They need to be hugged. They need to be rocked. They need to be carried. We love getting massages. We love having our nails done, getting mani-pedis because people are touching us. Humans need touch. People crave physical touch. Even sometimes sports can be a way to be physically intimate, which sounds really funny. But think about football. My husband has said sometimes when he looks back on his days playing football that it felt good to hit and be hit. No, he's not a sadomasochist. But when he was in high school, when he was in college, and that stress and that adrenaline and the testosterone and the anger and frustration, all of that, it felt good to have that physical outlet. Yes, you're running down the field and you're doing, you know, something solo, but that hitting and that being hitting and that falling on the ground is also a form of physical intimacy. And yeah, it did feel good. And I know a lot of people like with martial arts, the grappling, the wrestling, things like that, that that is a form of physical intimacy. And it's not something that we think about because again, our mind goes, ew, inappropriate. No, it's not that it's inappropriate, but you're being physically intimate with another person and it's both consensual. You're both wrestling. You're both grappling. You're both sparring. But it's a physical intimacy with another person. And then as far as physical intimacy in the relationship, yes, that's just pure expression of what feels good to us and what feels good to the other person. It's pleasing another and allowing yourself to be pleased by another. It's a give and take. It's an exchange. And those are the four different kinds of intimacy, emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical. And here's the thing. I don't like prescribing that you must have at least three out of the four or that you must have all four. But here's what I will say. Depending on what kind of relationship you are after, it helps you to be aware of what is important to you and what you want. And from where I stand in my relationships, I want all of the intimacy. I want all of it. I want the physical intimacy. I want spiritual intimacy and connection. No, we don't have to have the exact same experience every single time. But I want the common ground, the common understanding. I channel. I channel a group of entities that call themselves the librarians. My husband does not channel. He does not know that experience. But he listens to me channel. He asks me questions about that. We have intimacy around that spirituality, even though it's not a shared experience. I want mental intimacy. I love thinking. I love disrupting my beliefs and taking things deeper. I want that. 
and emotional intimacy, you betcha. Absolutely. I don't want to pretend in my own house. I don't want to have to put on a happy face if I'm really struggling. There's so much to be said around emotional intimacy, and I'm going to take that a little bit deeper too, because there is a fine line between bleeding all over another person and just letting your bad mood or good mood or stress mood tarnish them because it's I, I, that that's not a healthy way to be either. It's not good for us to emotionally vomit on other people and expect them to clean up our mess or to always hold space for us in every single moment. And at the same time, it's important that we are able to be authentic and open about what's going on for us in the moment. An example of that might be <laughs> if I am having a really tough day, if I am having obsessive thoughts about my husband's infidelity, if all of a sudden, you know, a trigger has happened, um, you know, I, I've seen somebody's name, I found a picture, I had whatever it is, I'm having a trigger and it's awful. And he's having a great day and he's really busy at work and he's got a lot of stuff that he needs to take care of. I can let him know very honestly, I'm having an awful day. This is a trash can day. I'm going to be upstairs crying several different times. I'm going to need to talk because, oh God, all of these questions are coming up. And suddenly I can't remember anything that we've talked about before. And I need to rehash stuff and I need you to hold me. And it's just, it's just awful and everything's horrible. I can express that and then I can go away. And what I mean by that is I can go away. I can let him know. Here is my emotional state for the day. Here is what I am going to need from you. And I recognize that you have a job and you have a life and you have commitments and that you woke up singing and whistling and dancing around the yard and that you're having a good day. And this is that going both ways. Yes, I want him to see me and hold me and give me some time and love me. And I also need to give him the space to have a good day, to get his stuff done, and to let me know what is a good time for him. That's what I mean by that. It's that balance. Because we never have the right to go emotionally vomit on another person and hook them and bring them down. And they don't have the right to do that to us either. And that is something that it's important to get a handle on, especially if you want to start working things out with your spouse, to get a handle on being able to share with the other person what your emotional state is in every moment, ask for what you need, and then be able to step back and say, I will wait for you to be able to give it to me because I honor and respect you and love you and know that we are in different places right now. And that is okay. So going forward, it is important, in my estimation, to have all kinds of intimacy because we are complex, multidimensional beings. And I want someone who knows me on every level, not just on one or two.
Which leads me into your partner's intimacy with another. Which leads me right into the affair and their relationship with the other woman, with the other man, with the other women, whatever it is. So take a deep breath (laughs) because I know that can be triggering to talk about. But I do promise you that by the end, you will probably have a slightly different view of their relationship with the other woman. Okay, now that we know about these four kinds of intimacy, emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical, I want you to step back, disconnect a little bit from the heart, and move into your head a little bit. And I want you to think about the reality of your partner's relationship with the other woman. And I'll just say other woman for ease. It can be an other man. It can be an other whoever. But your partner's relationship. And I want you to think about the intimacy. Were they really letting themselves being seen? by the other person? Was the other person really letting themselves being seen by your partner? Now, I don't know the specifics of your unique situations, but what I do know is in affair-type situations, It is common for it to be a very warped, twisted, surface level, or even false level of intimacy. Because while your partner may be sharing their version of what was wrong in the marriage, their version of all the things that you did wrong, their version. More times than not, their version and what they're sharing is a version of the relationship that comes from their pain body, that comes from their fear, their shadow, their insecurities, that create these defenses that shut you out and then that roll over to another person. And then that pain body is what becomes intimate with the other person. Now that's hard to follow. So let me break that down a little bit. While affairs happen for many different reasons, typically the cheating partner is not in a good state when they have an affair. They are not mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally healthy. They've got something going on inside. They feel insecure. They're struggling at work. 
maybe they've gained weight or something and they don't feel very good in their body. Maybe they feel neglected because you've taken care of kids. Maybe they feel like they're getting old and that they haven't lived up to their full potential. Something is going on that makes them feel vulnerable. That makes them feel afraid. And instead of coming to you, their partner, and saying, getting naked, stripping down, exposing themselves and saying, I'm having a midlife crisis. I'm terrified. I haven't been as successful as I thought I would be. I feel old and fat and out of date. You're busy all the time. I'm busy all the time. I wanted kids and I love the kids, but oh my God, I'm exhausted by this. All this stuff is going on at work. I'm lonely. Instead of doing that, they start covering all of those shadow pieces. They start blocking and pretending they're powerful and everything is doing great. And they are hot stuff and they're feeling good and they've got a car or trips and they're reaching out and everything is great. They cover, they hide, they put on the costume that covers the wounds, that covers the insecurities. They find something that bolsters their good features. And they stop talking to you. And when they stop talking to you, it's impossible for them to feel intimacy. It's impossible for you to feel intimacy because nobody's connecting no intimacy is happening. So then they feel more pain. They feel more disconnection. They feel more lonely, more worthless, more rejected, more whatever negative thing it is. And then they see another person. And for whatever reason, maybe they have been appropriately emotionally intimate in the past at work. Maybe they do have a spiritual intimacy. Maybe they have played a sport and have had some appropriate physical intimacy. For whatever else, suddenly there's this other person around there. And they don't want to really strip down and be seen and known and loved by that person because they're in a relationship with you. And they've got this whole head game going on that something is wrong with them and that they're in pain and they have to cover and protect and hide. And they take that pain body, that protection, that costume, and they connect with a sense of false intimacy with their affair partner. They take that lie. They take that costumed self. They take that whole created version of themselves that is just a false construct of who they really are and they go forward and they try to relate as that new person. So now they're being intimate with the other person. They're being mentally intimate, spiritually intimate, physically intimate, but not as themselves. It's this artificial alter ego constructed version. It is this 
weirdly costumed version of themselves that is out having this affair. Sit with that for a while. Think about it. How many times have you thought, who are you? I thought I knew you. How could you do this? This doesn't make any sense. The man I know wouldn't do this. The man I know doesn't believe it. Who are you? I don't even know you. That is such common rhetoric. And no, you don't know them. And no, it's not them. It's this pain body self. It's this ego self that they have constructed. It's not them. It's some false version of themselves that is out having this wonky affair. And it's not real intimacy. Because it's not really them. And I'm saying that not to excuse it and to be like, oh, it's not really intimacy, blah, 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 blah. But to let you know, to give you this different understanding that it's not them. It's them, but it's a fake version of themselves. It's going back to that example earlier when I said, like, when you really want somebody to like you and you find this commonality and sometimes you fudge it a little. Yeah, I love watching pro sports when really you only sort of like watching pro sports, but it's not really your thing. But because you like them so much and you want to go deeper, you're just like, yes. And then you get yourself a little bit trapped in a relationship that's not exactly what you thought, not exactly what you wanted, because it was a false version of yourself that you were putting forward. That's what happens in so many affairs. I don't want to say that's what happens in all affairs because I recognize things are different. But with the vast majority of the women that I have worked with, they will say, my husband, it's like he lost his mind. Who was that? It was his pain body. It wasn't him. So for what that is worth for you, were they intimate with somebody? Yes, in a sense. Their pain body was intimate with somebody. And if you want to deepen the intimacy in your relationship or not, knowing that pain body and understanding that pain body and understanding how they got intimate with that pain body helps you get more intimate with your partner. Because I tell you, I understand my husband on a much deeper level than I ever understood him before. Sometimes I wish I didn't know all of this stuff about him because it was easier when I thought he was perfect. It was easier when I thought he had done no wrong. But here's the thing, as part of our affair recovery journey, I now know everything about him, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he also knows the good, the bad, and the ugly in me too. And for better or for worse, for right or for wrong, we love each other through that and for that and because of that. And that is true intimacy. And like I said, we have true intimacy in all of these areas. And because of that, I am choosing to go forward with the relationship. He is choosing to go forward with the relationship. And if at any point in time I decide to terminate the relationship or he decides to terminate the relationship, we can still have this level of intimacy and we can just not be life partners. Intimacy and marriage can be separate. 
And you can't have a true spiritual marriage, a true partnership marriage without all of these forms of intimacy. I have so thoroughly enjoyed this show. Talking about intimacy, both with you and your partner or with another partner in the future. And also going down that little deep, dark rabbit hole of exploring your cheating partner's intimate relationship with the other woman. As usual, please reach out if you have comments, questions, concern. If you want to just share your heartbreak or your story or ask questions, that's what I'm here for. And like I said at the top of the hour, go to affairrecoveryforwomen.com and learn more about my Affair Recovery Program for Women. AffairRecoveryForWomen.com See how we might be able to work together going forward. I want you to have an amazing week. And to always remember to flaunt exactly who you are, because who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal with radio host and live choreographer Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Develop naked self-worth and reclaim your confidence, enthusiasm, and joy so you can create a life you love and embrace who you are today. Download your free Sparkle Through Betrayal Recovery Guide at NakedSelfWorth.com.